Welcome to the Women's Fitness Podcast, sponsored by Women's Fitness Education. Here's your host, the one and only, Michelle Mish Wright. Hi, and welcome, Mary, to our um, stories about perimenopause, about being pericurious. I'm super excited to hear your story, but if you just want to give us a little brief intro to say, to tell us who you are. Great. Yeah, thanks, Mish, for having me on. Um, I'm Mary Downey, and I live on the Tasman Peninsula in Tasmania. I'm a fitness professional and an emmet therapist, and I particularly find that my focus is more with women and um, and mums to menopause, really, through the stages. And, and I find that I can't separate that as I live in a rural area and so many uh, women come your way. Um, when there's not much on offer. So um, so I work through the the whole, uh, all the stages of, of women's lives with my... Okay. Hmm. Great. And how old are you and, and how long have you been postmenopausal? So I'm 59 and I don't, I mean, I'm definitely postmenopausal um, and I'm, because I had a hysterectomy, I'm not really sure as to when I actually stopped bleeding, but um, blood tests, et cetera, et cetera, indicate that I'm well and truly postmenopausal. Okay. So tell us about your perimenopause. Um, when you first started getting your symptoms and you probably realised looking in the rear vision mirror that you see a lot more. Tell us about that story. Well, perimenopause was not a word I'd ever heard. I didn't even probably know that I was going through perimenopause. Well, I know that I didn't know I was going through perimenopause. But now with all the learning I've done, um, as I headed into menopause, I realised that perimenopause was the most horrendous time of my life. And I thought, well, firstly, physical symptoms were urinary tract infections. I just had multiple urinary tract infections and I was always rocking up at the doctor's surgery with, and they'd say, wow, this is quite a serious urinary tract infection, didn't you know? And I'd go, well, no. So, but no one ever said anything to me about what might be happening in my body at that time. Um, I was, I started working for the first time. I, I we ran a farming business, but I, Got a job in health promotion, and my so the first time I'd actually gone into the workforce, and my youngest child, I have four children, was not an easy child, and he decided that he wasn't happy at school just as I started work. Um, a whole lot of wheels fell off my cart all at this same time. So a lot of the symptoms that I had, I was thinking was the situation I was living in at the time. Looking you back. put them down to general stress? General stress um, and just there was a lot of anxiety. And the other thing, that having had children, I actually had a lot of heat in my body from the time I had my first child and I would talk to, to doctors about it and they'd just sort of shrug their shoulders and that was that. So I didn't even think that the increasing heat in my body was really anything. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. 
Um, so how old were you when you were having these symptoms and going through this particular patch in your life? That's a good question. I was trying to think about that. So um, Tom's now 26 and when he was 18, uh, so I'm, yeah, so it would have been mid-40s. Yeah, yeah, that all this was happening. And it was by the time he was 18 that I would have been heading into menopause then. Um, yeah. Okay, so you were experiencing hot flushes? I had, hot, yeah, hot flushes, um, a lot of joint pain. So the other mm -hmm. thing that was happening was that, yeah, I had a, a lot of, I got, um, well, it was diagnosed as ulcerative colitis. So my gut biome was obviously really poor. Um, I had, I obviously had leaky gut looking back on it now. Um, I spent, so I had to go in and have a whole colonoscopy. I came out of that colonoscopy and was in extreme pain uh, in my back, in my hips, and I just thought, oh, something's gone wrong. And then, then I was treated for what they thought was ankylosing spondylitis. But looking back, it wasn't at all. It was just it triggered a whole lot of stuff in my body by going into and into um, surgery, I think, and having that procedure done. And so right. from then on, I had this incredible hip pain that kept on going and I, I was quite active at the time so I sort of managed it and I knew what I was doing so I was doing strength training, I was managing it. So, um, I think I'd just run a marathon then, um, and then it wasn't until I was menopausal that I started really doing some research and then realised I had a hypertonic pelvic floor. So through all of that, um, and by that time, my hip was nearly not working at all by the time I actually got to get help. And yet I'd been seeing doctors, physios all the way through this, but not a women's health physio. Right. So there were a whole lot of things and it was really difficult to say what is exactly perimenopausal symptoms for some of these things yeah. and just um, life as well. Yeah. So it was um, a crazy, crazy time of life for me. I just remember it being wanting emotionally wanting to kill my husband many many times i do remember, <laughs> i do remember standing at the kitchen bench with a knife in my hand thinking i just want to kill him <laughs> and there was an overwhelming sense of and i thought no i get why women kill their husbands <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> So you're saying that this high emotional time was also you look back in the rear vision mirror and see that this was all to do with perimenopause as well, was a big part of it? Oh, I think, yeah, I, I think I had unmanaged symptoms that um, were exacerbated by the lifestyle that I was living at the time. Mm. Mm, mm. You talked about hysterectomy. Walk me through that. Um. And why? I, yeah, I had a hysterectomy. I was living in a lot of pain. Um, and post my f fourth child, I get really confused now, post my fourth child I had um, a significant prolapse. And once again, complete ignorance and no advice to go to a women's health physio. And 
well, they weren't really a thing much talked about. I went to physios. I did get help from my pelvic floor. But, of course, the gynecologist said, oh, no, you just you need to get, you need a repair. Right. And, and it was awful. I had a tennis ball hanging out and I had a small baby and three children and all I could think of was I've just got to deal with this. I've got to get, I can't function. Um, so I went off and had surgery, which none of my tissues would have repaired from the birth of the child, let alone... Um, so my hormones were still raging in my body. I think he wasn't even six months old at the time. Right. So and you had a, a, you, you had a hysterectomy much earlier in life. Well, no, because I had that. Yeah, I had. So I had that repair done, and that caused massive adhesions in my body. It, or right. it, so my uterus. Then, well, I didn't know until I'd had, had my hysterectomy, and the gynecologist said, "Well, he said actually your uterus was adhered to your bowel." which was adhered to your bladder, and so that's why I was having so many complications. But the amount of pain I was having every time I had a period, I was just, I could barely walk. Yep. Right. Mm. Wow. So, so all of this was happening before you went into perimenopause? Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, um, you know, then your, your periods stopped? And postmenopause, uh, tell me about that transition. Like, you know, how long were your periods regular? Um, or tell me about that. Um, my, my periods were always regular before I had the hysterectomy. Um, they were quite, they were never easy periods. But, yeah, they were always regular and latterly obviously a lot of pain. Yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't do my hormones very well and I wasn't guided very well through my teenage years either. I had a lot of um, yeah, a lot of premenstrual sort of tension and stress with each cycle when I look back on it. So my mother's answer for that was to put me on the pill. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I think that was more that she didn't want me to get pregnant. But um, yeah. uh, anyway... Um, and I don't think that was necessarily the right thing because the pill didn't suit me yeah. very well. But uh, anyway, that was that. So, yeah, I, like I, I kept on cycling. I still had my ovaries post-hysterectomy, so I knew that I was still cycling. I was very aware of where I was in my cycle um, through that. And then, of course, so for me, noticing was that those cycles got longer um, mm -hmm. and those symptoms became less so that was my sort of notable understanding that I, I was heading into no periods yeah and how how old were you around this time um yeah I, I was yeah it was probably 52 between 52 54 but yeah yeah that you had your last cycle yeah yeah um, uh, and what kind of things did you use to help you through this time? What helped you through this um, transition time? I, I went, when I was perimenopausal, my GP was a Chinese practicing medicine, uh, practiced Chinese medicine as well. And she gave me a concoction. It was a powder. 
And I, I can't remember what the ingredients were in it, but it worked. It worked for two years. It held off a lot of the, it really balanced me quite incredibly. And I couldn't believe that something with black cohosh and I know it had that in it and it had other, you know, evidence-based things in it. Anyway, it worked. It held for about two years. And so that enabled me to probably get on top of a lot of my emotions. Um, right. So and, it just didn't help with the physical symptoms. It also yeah. helped with the emotional yeah. symptoms yeah. that you were having too. And other than that, I didn't do anything except keep physically active. I was always going for long walks and, yeah, I, just, I kept physically active. Mary, I have to ask you, is your husband still alive today? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he is. <laughs> still only <And> just sometimes. <laughs> um, that is so interesting. And uh, the evidence behind black cohort is, is quite vast. It's the it's most heavily researched mm. um, uh, substance to help with menopausal symptoms. Um, it's quite an amazing story, Mary, and um, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Firstly would be education and um, to, to become educated as a woman, and that's the path that I'm now going on. I talk to everyone about pelvic floor menopause till they probably think oh my god here comes mary um the other one would be see a woman's health physio as early as possible in your life as a woman um and the other one would be to live a more balanced to live a balanced life my life was out of balance out of whack a lot of the time um for lots of reasons i allowed it to be that mm. So, what what ways in which explain balance to me? Paint me the picture. Uh, I was a bit of a people pleaser, um, and I had four children and a husband that was really the fifth child, and so I was always doing everything. We ran a farming business um, through twenty years of drought, and it was very stressful. And I. I worked, I volunteered in the community when you live in a rural community. So I just was always strong through it all. But I, other than going for long runs or long walks, um, I didn't really look after myself overly well. So balance would have been more taking time out for me so that I could be a kinder, nicer person to myself because I, I wasn't kind to myself. Um, so there was quite a bit of um, counselling that went on. Counselling was something else I did seek. Um, through mm -hmm. the, I did seek counselling. Um, and and I've, I've always been someone that sought help, but and I think that's another reason why I feel so passionate now is that there are so many women in rural areas that actually can't get help and mm -hmm. don't know how to get help. And so by just talking to women, at least understanding that what they're going through is okay, normal, but there are ways that you can help yourself. So it's just 
being able to talk about it and, and to give them options that they can do in their area because if there's not a GP that's a women-focused GP or there's, you know, for me, I recommend to all my clients to go to a women's health physio. There's, there's the free service but they can't always get in and then there's, mm-hmm. there's the $190 service that they can't afford. Mm-hmm. So. so if I can just wrap up, there are three key pieces that I heard. First of all, it's educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, see a pelvic health physiotherapist, also called a, a, um, a, a women's health or but pelvic health physiotherapist. And three, uh, get balanced by uh, making sure you kind of fasten your own face mask before you deal with everyone else and um I, I think yeah a good summary <laughs> <laughs> a good summary um Mary thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom I think this will resonate especially for uh women who are living rurally which is a big factor in your mm-hmm. story having lots of children four yeah. children <laughs> and um and managing the mother load um and and also um yeah making sure that people know about these things and 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 lamenting that you didn't have the knowledge that enabled you so thank you for this gift of your knowledge now and your experience it's good to share good to share and i hope it resonates with some so yep thank you fantastic i'll stop the recording Thanks for listening to the Women's Fitness Podcast. If you're interested in becoming a certified personal trainer, check out our website, womensfitnesseducation.com.au.